William Jose ahead of him. It's a real opportunity. Now, was he pulled down by David Luiz? The whistle has gone. And this a moment of real controversy on the stroke of half time. Greg Porson has shown the red card. It's a red card for David Luiz. And Wolverhampton Wanderers suddenly have a route back into this game. On this episode of PLNPJ's Deadline Day Deals and Ridiculous Reds. to the only Premier League podcast with a dress code. Brent, that dress code is jammies, and we are both wearing them right now, so let's move on. Yeah, we definitely weren't out at a driving range hitting golf sure. balls before this, and then didn't go get dinner, and then realized how late it was, and then had time for you to go home and pick up pajamas, and for us to come back here and record in time. Right, all That's of That's exactly that. what happened. Exactly. Um, <laughs> but... Anyway, Jake, we're, remember last week how we kind of had some tangents? I was like, oh, sure. you know, whatever's going on. I want to get straight to business. Okay, today. let's do it. We have some hot topics to discuss. Ooh. And so I want to get my, out of the way. It's my favorite retail store. <laughs> What's the last time you were on a hot topic, Jake? <laughs> Yesterday. Really? Yeah. Is Cherry Creek Mall. <laughs> is that where this outfit came from? It's where my graphic tees are from. <laughs> anyway. Woo! All right. So... Match week's gone. Yeah. Starting last week. I'm excited for us to get to normalcy again this week, mm. but we'll get to that. Jake, last Tuesday, January 26th, 2021. Ooh. West Ham beat Crystal Palace 3-2. to two. Okay. Leeds beat Newcastle 2-1. to one. Arsenal beat Southampton 3-1. to one. Man City beat West Brom 5-0. Wow. I'm just cruising through these. Yeah, please. Flying. Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. Burnley beat Aston Villa 3-2. to two. Mm-hmm. Chelsea, Wolves, nil-nil draw. Brighton, Fulham, nil-nil draw. Exciting stuff, yeah. Keep, keep the drummentum going. Sure. Jay. Everton, Leicester, 1-1. One, one. Man U lost to Sheffield, 2-1. Surprise yeah. for sure. Thursday, January 28th. No games. There's no games Thursday. Really? Yep. Oh, is my app glitching when it says Liverpool 3, Spurs 1? Yep, that's wrong. Nothing happened Thursday. Okay, so we're going to skip straight on to Saturday then, January 30th, 2021. Newcastle beat Everton 2-0. Crystal Palace beating Wolves 1-0. Man City eking out a 1-0 win against Sheffield United, who I wouldn't have put it past them to get another They scored very early and then nothing. They did. Yeah, they sure did. Um, West Brom and Fulham in a battle of the bottom. That was 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the Battle of the Bastards. I'm reading Game of Thrones again. It, it, but, you know, it's like, like after you have Chipotle, it's the battle of the <laughs> bottom. <laughs> well, maybe for those of us <laughs> with uh, lactose intolerance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, the drummentum continued after that between Arsenal mm-hmm. and Manchester United in a nil-nil draw. A little stalemate. And then after that, Southampton losing to Aston Villa 1-0. Ooh. Yeah. Sunday, January 31st, in our last match day to cover, Chelsea beat Burnley 2-0. First win under Thomas Tuchel, who we definitely know whose name how to pronounce. Exactly. Leeds beat Leicester 3-1. Big game. 
Liverpool beat West Ham 3-1, and Brighton beat Spurs 1-0 in a game that did, in fact, happen, whether mm. you like it or yeah. not. A funky match week. Sure, for oh, sure. More than one surprise, uh-huh. I would say. Um, unfortunately, your Spurs were subject to one of them. Unfortunately, my Red Devils were subject to one of them. Right, I, I wouldn't call Spurs' loss to Brighton a surprise after Kane's injury. I uh, I said to Alex right before the game, I said, we're going to lose. And uh, I was right. <laughs> and it was sad, but... Uh, it brings it to, I'm crying. Yeah, I can see. But yes, uh, Sheffield United, I would say, a, a big surprise for a team that is now uh, level on points at the top of the table. Uh, spoiler alert for those who yeah. haven't watched games from Tuesday. Uh, to lose to the bottom team, uh, yeah, definitely a surprise. But if there's one team that's contending for the top that would lose to Sheffield, sure, it would be United. Yeah, I mean, fair. that's just what would happen. But similarly, Sheffield now, after today, Tuesday, only one point out of 19th, three points out of 18th, still 10 points out of 17th and safety from the relegation zone. But Jake, one win, two right. wins. Yeah. They're sitting at the top of the relegation zone. We should mention that is including their win today. It is, but they still are level on games played with West Brom, which, to be fair, Fulham have two games in hand on both the other teams. Gotcha. Um, how far are Fulham behind Brighton or Burnley? Who's, uh, who's next? It's Brighton and Hove Albion, thank you, uh, who are at 21 points with 21 games played. Fulham have 20 games played, 14 points. They're quite a ways, seven points. So even two okay. wins in the yeah. next two makeup games don't exactly save them. So might not see any shakeup uh, in the bottom three. Mm-hmm. I mean, amongst the bottom three maybe, but not who the bottom three are. Right, exactly. But um, Jake, I will say, we need some shakeup in our fantasy team. Sure. Uh, we've gone about that, but last week we only got 38 points. Wow. Captain Hyungman Son had four points. Huge. Zaha had two points. Bruno Fernandez had three. Suchek had one. Our defense of Cancelo, Benarek, and Chowell got two points combined. Uh, Bamford had 15, which was cool. Okay. But outside of that, real tough week for the boys. Very under average. Hoping to pick it back up this week. But we are already sitting with a negative seven in defense from Benarek today from the Tuesday game. So... <laughs> It'll be an uphill battle for sure. Hot start for sure. Yeah. Uh, so so we'll have to see what happens. But um, I'm pretty bummed about how the team went last week. Well, that was just the weekend games, right? Yeah. We had some luck in the previous sure, midweek sure. games. I know Cancelo had a goal. Right. And, and I know assist. technically we, we skipped some of the match weeks to cover, but we were still below average in, in the that mid-week. match week. So we're not good, is what you're saying. No, remember when we were above average most of the time? Yeah. No, we suck now. We're uh, terrible. You we can had say to make that, some changes. Uh, that time when we were good, glory days. It's almost as if we just listened to that song. <laughs> glory days. <laughs> 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 
Anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, so what are we going to do to shake up our fantasy team to get us back to above average ways? Well, I think we'll probably adjust the lineup. And look, we'll get into this later. We have a few key transfers coming into the team. Gotcha. Hopefully we'll provide a spark. We are dealing with a bit of an injury crisis as well. Sure. Um, for ba- both the past match weeks, our entire bench has been full of injured players. Right. Which is tough. Not a lot of changes to be made. Gotcha. So we'll see what happens. Gotcha. But Jake... Um, I would like it if you, because I'm going to cover the goalkeeper and defense spoiler alert for what's come next, wow. if maybe you'd give us a transition into the... Uh, sure, this next next segment is sponsored by Coors Seltzer. It is the team of the week, so the best players from each match week, or sometimes we get lucky with two match weeks, which we have in the past few weeks yeah. of this podcast. Uh, those players get featured on this 11-person team of the week, um, and we get to, you know point out some standout performances from these uh, players. Uh, Coors Seltzer, uh, delicious in flavor. We're both great. drinking it right now. A I've got a great fruit. Oh, we both have great yeah. fruit. That's fun. Um, but also a great cause. It helps restore the rivers. Uh, so for every 12-pack you purchase, it helps restore a certain amount of water to these rivers in Colorado. And as Colorado residents, we like to support our somewhat local business. Um, Brent, a, we'll call it a local business. Did, did I miss anything? Or? Well, Jake, just that if seltzer isn't your thing. Yeah. You know, we we learned over the past week our target audience, roughly 23 to 28-year-olds, roughly 83% male. Yep. So maybe seltzer is a thing. Maybe you're more of a beer guy. Sure. You can still support the Change of the Course cause that mm-hmm. Coors has partnered with. Throwing in some donations, and and if you feel like helping to, you know, helping support a good cause, then go for it. But the players themselves definitely support Coors Seltzer, so I'm going to jump right in. They with, do. Yeah, Alphonse Areola from Fulham, our goalkeeper, loves Coors Seltzer. You heard him say that. Yep. All right. Yep. He he's don't don't approach him. No, I will. It, but he totally said it. He had five saves and a clean sheet in his game. After that, in our defense, a very short list of defenders. Mm-hmm. Jao Cancelo, Man City, one goal, one assist. Cooper from Leeds, four blocks, six interceptions, and four tackles. Well-rounded. Very well-rounded mm-hmm. for a defender. And after that, Trent Alexander-Arnold from Liverpool, one goal and one assist to begin our funky formation of the week. Our uh, three... Three, three, four. Three, four. <laughs> you see that all the time. I, I've made that formation in FIFA before. It's a formation for the future. Too. Okay. Yeah. You're going to, you know, see your tagline, you're going to register trade. Well, we see Julian Nagelsmann in Germany, you know, kind of sure. do like a 3 3 3 1. So maybe people will start to adopt the 3 3 4. Sounds like a lot of goals. Sounds like a ton of goals. Which we love. I'm kind of a fan. You know, it markets the game a little more. Yeah, absolutely. But Brent, you did a fantastic job reading uh, those four people. Thank Let you. Let me get into the next seven. Uh, our midfield, uh, Trossard from Brighton in that game that did indeed happen where he scored against Spurs. Uh, looked good and threatening the rest of the game as well, to my dismay. We also have Suchek from West Ham, who had two goals in the span of, like, what, 15 minutes? He was totally in our fantasy team for that game, too. He was definitely not on the bench mm, for that game. Yikes. Um, but yeah, gr- great performance from him from the midfield. Um, also, we have Gunigan, uh finishing our midfield, who also had two goals uh, against, I believe, West Brom, uh, 5-0? Yeah, it sure was. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we have a pretty pretty good midfield, but uh, 
four forwards coming up. Two from Liverpool. Uh, one was Sadio Mane from that Tottenham game, who had a goal and an assist, and you know, arguably could have had three goals uh, with the chances he sure. had. Um, but that goal and assist was enough to get him a spot on this team of the week. Um, also from Liverpool, but from a different game, uh, Mohamed Salah had two goals uh, against West Ham. The second one coming with a fantastic first touch off of a long ball. Um, well, I'd just say, one of the better counterattacks I've seen sure. in a long time. Two cross-field long yeah, balls. Yeah, Shakiri and uh, Salah. Um, but yeah, I think the Shakiri like, it was like a first touch kind of. Uh, long ball was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, but Salah settled and scored to get a second of the game. Um, but moving on, we have Callum Wilson from Newcastle, who bagged two against Everton uh, this past weekend. And, or was it the midweek? Callum Wilson? Regardless, it was against Everton. Yeah. Um, and then moving on to Patrick Bamford, who contributed to all three goals against Leicester. Um, a goal and two assists. And a very unselfish, unselfish. assist as well. Uh, Brent, I'm, I'm a happy man. I, I had a, a bet that included Harrison Jack scoring. Harrison. Yeah. Um, so I saw him open. I was like, if you don't pass it to this guy, I'm going to be so pissed. You probably would have been maybe a little happy because he's on our fantasy team at least for Bamford. Sure, but he's going to get points with the assist right. anyway. Just difference between you getting money and you not getting money. Right. Um, Again. And the bet was... Uh, who scored for Leicester? It was Harvey Barnes and Jack Harrison who scored. Yeah, you, you nailed it. Yeah, you really fun. did. Right on its head. Um, but yeah, that rounds off our Team of the Week, Brent, sponsored by Coors Seltzer. And Jake, I'm glad those are out of the way. I said we had some hot topics to get yeah. into. I really feel that way. First off, we're recording this February 2nd. Deadline day was two days ago for the January Very window. No, yes. Uh, not a lot of things happened, mm-hmm. maybe as a result of COVID, some financial issues amongst teams. However, there were some very key signings that were made that day, I believe. And the first that I want to cover is Ben Davies, not the Tottenham Ben Davies, but Ben Davies from Preston and Kabak from Schalke. Yeah. Two young, relatively young central defenders, at least. Ben Davies is 25, Kovac is young. Um, signed to Liverpool after the announcement that Joel Matip will be out for the rest of the season Yikes. with some ligament damage. And Jake, I just want to get your opinion. What do you see for the future of these two defenders? Do you expect them to come in and make an impact? Do you think there'll be at least an improvement on the Fabinho-Henderson partnership? What do you think? Well, Brent, the amount of games I've watched of both of those players combined is the amount of wins Tottenham had this week. Wow. <laughs> which is zero. Um, so I have no idea um, what their skill level is. Uh, I, I watched the, you know, the analytics, or the, sorry, uh, the commentators and such talk about them and give their two cents on the matter. But I personally have not seen these players play. But they definitely needed some actual defenders. They were scraping by with midfielders playing a pseudo-defender role. But it's going to be great for them once, once those two players get incorporated into the team um, and really you know, find their footing. I think if they can become everyday starters for the rest of the season, or at least you know, switching in and out with uh, Henderson and Fabinho if healthy, um, then I, I, I think Liverpool... 
unfortunately, are going to be a little more dangerous than they already are. So. No, and I completely agree. And I will say, I think it's a bit of a masterclass by the Liverpool board as well. Okay. You sign Ozan Kabak, who is one of the more promising central defenders in the Bundesliga, on loan with a $5 million option to buy. That's it? That's it. Oh, my goodness. You then pick up as well Ben Davies for 2 mil reported. The left back from Tottenham? Not the left back. Ah. The center back from Preston, the 25-year-old. Gotcha. So if these, these are temporary moves, clearly. The Liverpool board came out and said they don't buy for the short term. They kind of needed to. They were forced into it. They had about three days as a team to get together deals. And they did. And if Kabak looks great yeah. at the start, great. Sign him up. Cheap fee. You have a promising defender for the future that already has said that he idolizes Virgil van Dijk. Mm-hmm, I saw that. You know, and, and if all else creates competition amongst their central defenders when everybody's healthy, van Dijk, Gomez, Matip, and Kabak, that's a very solid rotation there that they can use. And same goes for Davies, where the fee is so small. If he pans out, world-class signing by Liverpool. Cheap, solid defender, plays a role. Maybe not their first-choice center back, but in the interim does a fine job and manages to stay on the team. Does great. If not, they only spent two mil on him. Not a huge deal. Right. And so, assuming that the players work out, not only is it fantastic by the board, but by their scouting department as well, mm-hmm. to pull this together so quickly. Clearly, they must have had their eye on these players. Yeah. But, yeah, I honestly, I think it's going to work out. Brent, I, I think it's going to work out as well. But have you ever heard of, in, say, the NFL, where a quarterback is accused of being a system quarterback, where he's <laughs> only good because he's within a good system? Right. I'm worried that they're going to have some good performances, have some clean sheets. But I think it's going to be part of the system and only credit to the system. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be an individual thing for them. Uh, I still think Liverpool are going to have some good results uh, with these two actual center backs there. But I I think that you're going to kind of attribute that more to the actual Liverpool system as a whole rather than them having two good individual performances. But is it so wrong to attribute it to the system? It's if, not It's not wrong at all. I, I'm just saying it, they might get some false praises sure. if, if they have a couple of clean sheets in their first starts because I think it could be, it should be attributed to their midfield and overall play style. Right, and, and I think you'll see they start to dominate games more as Fabinho and Henderson become more free back to their midfield roles. I think it'll equally, when Fabinho goes back to the midfield, open up Thiago yeah. to be more creative, release some of his defensive duties. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I yeah, I guess for me it's just right that they may get some false praise for a system. However, I think that's also due in part to the genius of Klopp himself as a good manager. Right. If he can take these two brand new young players, plug them in, and if they do keep a couple clean sheets, it's just a testament to his system and mm-hmm. just showing... Hey, we just needed some people to come in, take these roles, you know, be a commanding center back or not, and just fill in for us so we can do what we do best. Yeah, and I I think that's absolutely accurate, and what Klopp's doing there is genius, in my opinion. Um, But I want to touch upon something you said about their board 
coming together in like three or four days, yeah. whatever it was, and signing two center backs when they really needed it, which you made it sound impressive, but Brent, I do that all the time in my career mode on oh, FIFA. Oh, right. You're yeah. a big career mode guy now. Yeah. <laughs> Recently. For the first time. Yes. Yeah, big I, career exactly. mode guy. Um, and it's exactly like real life. It's the it exact is. same thing. You can sign anyone. <laughs> oh, I know it. Um, so, Jake, outside of that, though, there were other big signings this window. For instance, West Brom making a huge gamble and bringing in five new players in the January window. Big gamble for a team that may be destined for relegation. You see these relegation-threatened sides spend big, yeah. and it kind of crumbles their team if they don't stay up. So West Brom with Sam Allardyce are really taking a gamble with bringing in five new players in January to try to stay up, and if they don't, it could be tough for the team as they're forced to sell a lot of their players. Right, and there's quite a gap um, between them and safety. I will say... Since not all of them were purchases, it might sure. not be the biggest gamble, but it definitely is a gamble. But you still pay their wages. Right, right, still, right, yeah. right. Um, but I think once you're in the Premier League, you, you have to gamble, you know? Um, Look, you're what, a gambling man yourself. Sure, because once, once, like once you drop down, you know, there's, what, 24 teams in the Yeah, it's hard to get back up. It, it is hard to get back up. Um, but I, I think it's worth the risk, in okay. my opinion. Um, but Brent... Do you have any big or your favorite signings? I do. From this window? Um, my first one would be William Jose. Okay. Going to Wolves. Jose. Jose, right. Um, coming into the team that is in so desperate need of goals mm-hmm. without Raul Jimenez. Yeah. I worry when Jimenez returns that these are two very similar players Okay. that maybe aren't you know, you think of center backs, you want compliments to each other. You don't want two players that can do the exact same thing. And you tend to want the same with your strikers, where if you have one target forward, you want usually one that's more pacey, clinical, that can run off of him. Whereas these are two very much target central forwards. Mm-hmm. And while they do have the pace of Pedro Neto, Adama Traore around the wings, I wonder how they'll combine. However, in the interim, when they're in so desperate need of goals, he's a perfect fit right. to replace Raul Jimenez in terms of play style. They don't have to change their play style to adapt to this new striker. They just have to get used to the player himself. I think that's a great signing for Wolves in their fight to you know, not only finish mid-table, but contend for maybe top six spots in Europe. Yeah, I, I would have to agree with you. and. Uh, we haven't seen much of him yet. It's only been two games, yeah. including today. And he's going to ha- play a small role in our next segment about red cards. Uh, but he, he did a good job overall um, in his 75 minutes or 80 minutes yeah. he played against uh, Arsenal today. But yeah, I, I think he uh, was a, a great signing for them. They needed someone other than Fabio Silva, who right. we both agreed wasn't really panning out yeah. as the... Main man, and up he top. might in time. I've said sure, for a long he's time young. players need a yeah, year exactly. to adjust to the Premier League, and he is very young. Um, but no, I, I, I agree with you. That's, that's a great signing for Wolves. Um, uh, my first or you know, best signing, in my opinion, yeah. um, I think it was actually on the last day was Josh King, yeah, to Everton, uh, to Everton, just on loan, I believe, to the end of the season. Um, but they you know, with. DCL and Richarlison kind of iffy with injuries and stuff, and not really having any backup after that up top um, in that main role. 
they, they could really use someone like him to, to fill those gaps and someone to come in off the bench or, uh, God forbid, another injury to Dominic Cavalluan. Uh, but I think he is going to be a, a great, uh, not like role player, but definitely rotation, sporadic player. And I will say he's a different type of forward right. to Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Again, DCL, more of that kind of target central forward. Richarlison, more of an inverted winger. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh King can be a wide playmaker himself, uh, but can also play as a pacey central forward which just adds a different dynamic to the team should they need a late sub for a spurt of a goal or something like that. He's a player with Premier League experience, been around the league for a long time, mm-hmm. and has proven that he can score goals in big games already. So I, I agree. I think that's a great signing for Everton. Brent, you just name-dropped three position roles from career mode, and it really made me tingly. Oh. Well, hey, you're I love welcome. that. Those are very general expressions sure, as yeah. well. You know, it's the, not like a few of them I had not heard until I started playing. So oh, okay. it's really widening my views yeah, of like, uh, yeah. play styles. Maybe you'll get into football manager as well. Ooh, it maybe. takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but Jake, moving on. I was gonna say, would you like to do your second? Sure. Uh, my second is Maitland House on loan from okay. Arsenal to West Brom. Uh, I think they needed someone that has a little versatility to their game. On that, I believe left hand side, it's where he plays. And uh, I think he's a man for the job, and I think I, I don't think it's going to keep them up, but I, I think they're going to have a better chance. Right. I, I think my worry is that young player, a lot of responsibility on the shoulders to perform early. Yeah. Uh, because they're in such desperate need of results. Uh, it's, it's not like where he's at Arsenal, where he can have a bad performance or two, and it's not going to hurt the team. Mm-hmm as a whole for the most part. So we'll see how he handles the pressure. I think it has the potential to be a great signing, though I will concede that. I, I will say I think it's a great move on Arsenal's part as well because I think he's a really good player. He just doesn't really have a lot of room to play on right. the current Arsenal squad. So I think just a half season on a lower level team uh, will do him good because he gets that playing yeah. time and uh, you know I, th- I think he deserves it. Yeah, and, and Jake, that's speaking of the same team, my number two is Martin Udegaard going to Arsenal. Ooh. And for none other reason than he may not pan out. Sure. You know, we don't know how he's going to perform. He's done great in La Liga. We don't know how he's going to do in the Premier League. However, with Oza leaving and with Partey back to dominate the midfield, they are in desperate need of a player who can link Lacazette, Nicola Pepe, maybe Willian, and Aubameyang. Hopefully not William. I hope not William for them. Yeah. But I think that Odegaard poses a real threat to defenses with his ability to create incisive passing lanes, um, especially as a player that likes to drift and play cutback passes on his left foot. In theory, that should be perfect for a right winger in Nicolai Pepe. Uh, I mean, he just played in the left wing in their most recent game. Mm-hmm. But if he's back in the right wing when Arsenal will have Aubameyang back, that seems like a deadly combination. Two young players, two very talented players of Odegaard running across the middle and cutting back a through ball to an on-rushing, very pacey, good finishing Pepe. Yeah, and uh, it's dangerous. Uh, they probably could have used him today. but uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I think it's a good signing. I've seen him in La Liga, uh, Real Madrid, and then on loan at Real Sociedad, I believe. Yeah. And 
Well, and he fits into Arteta's system. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. I was just, it, it, he's not only a number 10, but he can also play as a free 8. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in, in the model of Man City, which is kind of what Arteta is going for, where they had Fabinho, David Silva, and Kevin De Bruyne. Arsenal have Thomas Partey, one of their other rotating mm-hmm. midfielders, maybe Danny Ceballos, and Martin Odegaard to play in that David Silva role. Of the incisive creator, not necessarily the box-to-box midfielder like Kevin De Bruyne, mm-hmm. where he can play as that free eight and has the passing range and technical ability to break open defenses on his own with three very skillful forwards. So I'm excited to see how that dynamic works. I I obviously hope it doesn't work too well as a Manchester United fan. Sure. I think it has the potential <laughs> to be a great signing for Arsenal. Definitely. Um, it's weird that you called it the David Silva role. When it's obviously the Phil Foden role. Well, it is now, of course. <laughs> but at prime no, Man I know. City. I know. Uh, I, I think if you look at the team that Arteta is building, it looks exactly like... I mean, obviously different skill sure, players, but, different, but exactly like Man City. And who can blame him after their success? Oh, yeah. So. And, and especially as working as an assistant right, manager right, at right, Pep right. for so long. You, the man's a genius as a coach. He's been successful for a very long time. His model is one that you should definitely follow if you're a coach. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Is part of that model clipping a player on the way through the goal and getting a red card? It depends, Jake. Is your name David Luiz? It is. Then yes. Oh my god! Absolutely. Jake, there <laughs> were some ridiculous red calls. There today. were some ridiculous reds. Today. And look, typically we don't talk about topics of the Tuesday we're recording sure. to save that for the next week but these two issues were so prevalent in the Manchester United Southampton game and the Arsenal Wolves games there were four red cards between the two games two per game mm-hmm. both included an iffy challenge look the burn Leno handball outside the box straight red every time that's just how the game works the but young Southampton whatever his name is Jude, it's Jacobia, I don't know, something like that. Interesting. Young Southampton boy, Mm -hmm. 19 years old, flying challenge in on McTominay, deserved a red. To a dangerous area of the body. For Bednarek and for David Luiz, two very iffy calls, different calls. Sure. Different. But same, same. But same, same. And for those of you who didn't watch, maybe we'll do a little play-by-play. For Wolves. William Jose running through. David Luiz behind him. William Jose sticks back a leg as he cocks his shot, and it knocks into the knee of David Luiz. He goes down in denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. David Luiz gets a straight red. Wolves get a penalty that Ruben Neves converts. Makes the game 1-1 in a very pivotal moment of the game. David Luiz, granted, did not put up much of a fight. Mm -hmm. He did accept what had happened. However... He not only did not make a play on the ball, he didn't make a play on the player himself. On anything. He was just it, running he behind him. He was just him. running behind the right. player. How much of it is his fault? And then for the Bednarek one, Anthony Martial played in, running through on goal, takes quite a heavy touch before him, and leaves his leg trailing. Bednarek trying to get out of the way, so not play, making a play on the ball, but also trying his best to not make a play on the player himself, puts up his hands... Goes on a little Michael Jackson tippy toe yep. to try to stop, and Anthony Martial's knee hits his knee on the way down. Straight red denial of a goal scoring opportunity penalty. Granted, the penalty not as influential no. as the Arsenal Wolves one. However, 
These two instances were oddly similar, while in different circumstances, but highlight maybe some issues with the VAR system. Yeah, and you can say that if they both made actual challenges in those situations and just got the player and, and brought him down, obviously, that's a red. We, we can both agree on that. I would say that the fact that neither of them tried to take the guy down or tried to make a play on him at all um, makes it very questionable. David Luiz obviously was just running behind him and his knee hits the trailing leg of uh, William Jose when he's trying to shoot. Which he really cocked back there for a shot. It's not he like did. he just he did. was he did tapping indeed. it down. Um, and then for Bednarek, he saw that he was going to run into Martial, so he tried his best to get out of the way and just let him get through on goal or whatever was going to happen. But the fact, if you, if you slow it down for that one, Martial's already kind of oh yeah going down and he's kind of already looking for it. looking he was for looking that contact for yeah he took a bad touch yeah. and he sold it um so it, it's so tough to give either of those a red card however i do want to identify the one key difference okay david louise was given a straight red on the field by the referee for Anthony Martial, a penalty was called, and the red card was not given until the referee went to look at the VAR screen, came back, and gave a red card. Sure. I will say, though, those are both the on-field referee's decisions. They are, which I do respect right. and I can appreciate. And you were going to keep going, so I'll let you. I will also add to the fact that the second referee for the Manchester United game was Mike Dean which might play a role in all that with his uh, love of cards. And not only that, but my the other issue I have is given, given the circumstances of the United States. 6-0 in the 75th minute at the time. And you're going to give a straight red? For a guy that clearly was trying to get out of the way. And, and so I guess, Jake, it, it begs the question of what constitutes a red card, because when I think of it, I think of malicious intent or... A malicious challenge that maybe may have been accidental, you know, no real intent. Like when I think of the Southampton's players red card in the second minute, I don't necessarily think he was going out of his way to stamp on uh, Scott McTominay's thigh. No. Like he wasn't, he was making a genuine play for the ball. It was just a malicious challenge and he missed. Yeah. And so I get that red card. I understand Burn Leno, malicious intent. He missed the ball as he was running for it and hit it away with his hand. Mm -hmm. That's a red card. Exactly. Where, where I run into an issue with these two today is there was no malicious intent. And they weren't malicious challenges. They were the player running into another player's you know foot or knee as they're trying to get out of the way. And is it their fault then that the player makes contact with them? No. In my opinion, no. I would say neither of those are red cards. I think they would have to make some sort of attempt on anything. The player, the baller, whatever. And whether that's a grab of the arm, a jersey pull, or them just sticking out a foot, then that's a red card. Because mm -hmm. obviously both players are clear on goal. There's no one in between them and the goalkeeper. Um, whether Martial catches up to that ball, we'll never know. But the matter of fact is... They have the ball, both of them, clear on goal, and there is contact. 
you have to be the judge when you're the referee or the VAR assistant or whatever. Are they actually making an attempt to stop them or is it just accidental? If it's accidental, it's in the box still, it's clear on goal, it's a yellow, it's a penalty, move on. If you think they're purposely taking this person down to stop them from scoring, that's a red every, every single time. Well, even to, if it's not purposeful, a play I, made on the player. Made on the player yeah, to take yeah, to yes. take the ball or whatever. Right. They were making a play on anything. They were just running. Right. and then, Or in Bednarek's case, trying to get out of sure, the way. Sure, trying to get out of the way. And, and you can argue against it and say, well, Bednarek's first movement towards Martial was too aggressive and he got too close to him without having any sort of awareness of where he was or too clo- or not close enough to the ball to make a challenge or whatnot. But the fact of the matter is he tried to get out of the way. Dav Luis was just running behind him and his knee hit the guy's foot. You know, it, It's silly to me. It is to me as well. However, it does beg the question of whether or not VAR should be used in a chance to overrule these red card decisions. Only in the sense that if VAR doesn't exist, and David Luiz gets a straight red. Well, there may be some controversy around it. You can understand why the ref is behind the play, can't see it, sure. sees the guy go down after a little bit of contact, whatever. For the Bednarek one, he doesn't make the call for the red until after he's gone over to the VAR screen to review it. On the field, he just pointed to a penalty. So if there is no VAR, maybe while they're still controversial... There's less controversy amongst ourselves afterwards saying, oh, well, they shouldn't have called it, or they shouldn't have given this, or they shouldn't right. have given that. So then it also then in turn begs the question, should VAR do more in these situations to try to interpret, maybe because, I mean, VAR is changing everything. You interpret some kind of willful intent clause into refereeing where if they're putting in a challenge because they're actively trying to make a play on the player of the ball, it's a foul or if it's accidental, but if a player is trying to get out of the way, trying their best, and they accidentally hit the player, sure, it could still be a penalty. Sure, it could still be a foul. Mm-hmm. But is it a red card offense when they're through on goal if a player is trying to get out of the way, if you can review it over and over and over and over again? Yeah, and I will give some leeway to um, the first referee for the uh, challenge by Dave Luis because yeah. he gave her a straight red on the field, which... From his angle, he, Makes took, sense. he took him down from behind. Clear goal-scoring opportunity. For the other one where Mike Dean went to the monitor, saw it himself, and still decided to give a red, I think that's um, not as excusable as the first one. No, I agree. And and it's one of those things where, again, I would say, if you're going to have VAR, I would like to do it from referee cams. Mm-hmm. From your sideline referee and from your main referee. Because it can't be a clear and obvious error if one of those two couldn't see it. Sure. It can be a clear and obvious error, quote, if you're getting all these TV angles and all these cameras around the place. But if your definition is going to be a clear and obvious error, how is it a clear and obvious error that the referee didn't give Bednarek a red card until he saw all these top-down television views when his view may have been different, when the sideline judge's mm-hmm. view may have been different? I kind of see it like a pylon cam in football. Yeah. Where the view down the line is the view down the line, and if you can't change it from that... The refs didn't make an obvious error. And I like that. It's similar to how I view offside skull should be, where you right. you look at it without the lines if you can't tell any distinguishable right. difference between where the defender and the attacker are, then it's 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 a goal. I know? agree. And and if anything, put the camera on the 
flagsman's you know head chest sure, whatever sure. and if you can't tell from exactly what they were looking at if the person was off sides it's not off sides because mm-hmm. how could they have told you know that's right. not a clear and obvious right, thing right, right. if they don't have a completely different angle so it definitely is interesting we'll see what happens and maybe we'll have some more of these issues in the next match week Jake Brent it's definitely possible and um, Arsenal Sands David Luiz and Bern Leno play Aston Villa on the first day of our new match week, and that's on Saturday, February 6th, uh, starting at 7.30 Eastern. Who do you have in that match? Jake, I love how you just, you're hot in this. You know, you're just going straight into it. Sure. I'm actually going to go for a draw in this game. I wanted to pick a Villa victory. Okay. I wanted to help you ride your Villa train. However, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go with an Aston Villa victory. And I thought you might. Including, in fact, I was counting on it. Including that is uh, Runner Runnerson, not to be confused with the beloved mascot. Sure. <laughs> um, Gunnosaurus or whatever it is. He's <laughs> uh, gonna have a little little spill or something. Not like he did look solid when he came in against. Sure, Wolf. but it's gonna be like a Keppa moment, is how sure. I put it. Uh, but yeah, I think Villa gonna pull out the victory there. Uh, but moving on to 10 a.m. Eastern, we have Burnley Brighton. Jake, I say this all the time. Okay. Kind of a spicy matchup <laughs> towards the bottom of the table. 15th and 17th. I'm going to go with a Burnley victory in this game. I know Brighton are hot right sure. now. I'm going to go with a Burnley victory. Brighton, that's fun that you're going to do that because I'm going to go with a Brighton victory. Really? Yeah, look at us. us. Um, yeah, I think they sh- obviously show a lot of bright spots um, against yeah. Tottenham, and I think they're going to continue that into next weekend. I'll say History is on neither of our sides. Four out of seven games they've played in Draw. the Premier League are draws. That's fun. Yeah, uh, I will say those those two teams in particular. I've seen they seem to draw mm-hmm. a lot, at least in my opinion. But you know, I just noticed that I can see uh, where we just had beers earlier from your window. Oh, yeah. That's you mean where we totally didn't didn't have, have beers. beers. We came straight. Oh wait, we stopped. We and had got our jammies. Jammies. We, yeah. yeah. Anyways, but yeah. Um, but moving on to uh, Newcastle Southampton at. 10 a.m. as well. Oh my goodness. That's an ambulance on the street. Yeah, and it's me doing my my surprise pick alarm. I'm going to go for a Newcastle victory over Southampton. Ooh, is it because Southampton has so many injuries? No, because I expect they'll have a few players back. Okay. I think that Newcastle may have, maybe, and I've thought this before and they've totally let me down, but maybe Newcastle have found their groove a little bit more. Okay. Recently, I their recent form is four losses and a win, so you wouldn't think so. No, that's that's the groove right there. But scoring wise, they were getting blanked for a long time, and they're at least scoring in their past few games. Whereas Southampton have been shut out three of their last five games, and I Ooh. think that maybe Newcastle can pull out a few goals, a few more than Southampton can. Brent, I'm gonna one up you here. Just kidding. I was going to say, how do you go one up for the win? <laughs> but I'm going to predict a 0-0 draw here. Okay. Um, yeah. Newcastle, Southampton, going to draw. You heard it here first. But moving on to the noon 30 game. Uh, nice. Fulham versus Westham. Jake, I'm going to go for a West Ham victory in this game. Okay. And I'm just going to throw it out now. My player to watch is Declan Rice Ooh. against Fulham. I see Fulham sitting back in a low block against a lot of West Ham attacks. Maybe opening up some, not only far-range shots for Declan Rice, 
but also just and I'm not saying he's gonna have the biggest stat line game. Sure. But I could see him completely bossing that game for West Ham. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm also gonna pick a West Ham victory, but I don't have a player to watch. That's that all right. One. That's all right. Uh, but Brent, moving on to the last game on that Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, we have Manchester United versus Everton. United coming off a 9-0 victory. Hot. I think they disappoint, and Everton Not pick hot. up a victory here. Everton victory. United have lost all four games at home. Like, oh. all four of their losses have been at home. I think Everton pick up a victory here. Brent, I also have an Everton victory. Hmm. Um, and I have... James Rodriguez as my player to watch. Not a bad pick and not a bad pronunciation there. Not to be confused with Daniel James on Manchester United. And not to be confused with James Milner from Liverpool. All those uh, Colombian internationals. But yeah, that concludes our Saturday games, Brenty. It's a normal week. We just have this to We only have, uh, well, three, I guess, but including Monday. Right, that's what, three days. Oh, I I heard two. But yeah, moving on to early, early Sunday morning for us. At uh, 7 a.m. Eastern, we have Tottenham West Brom. Even earlier for my father in Alaska. And oh my Even goodness. earlier for people in Hawaii. That'd be three hours back. Are you going to be in Hawaii? I won't. Okay. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Um, anyway, I think Spurs win this game, Jake. Brent, I also am picking Spurs, and I think I'm just going to move on so I don't have to talk yeah. about Spurs. No, I get it. Uh, but yeah, at 9 a.m. Eastern, we have Wolves, Leicester. I'm going to pick Leicester. Okay. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to change it on the fly. I'm going to say a draw. Okay. Yeah, and Jake, you're going to be surprised to hear this. I'm going to say a nil-nil draw. That's not going to happen. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Before you count me out, in the last three games, guess how many goals have been scored between these two teams? Combined? Yeah. Three. One. Hmm. Yeah. Well, history does not repeat itself. Really? Is that what they say? And records were made to be broken. Okay. And Wolves are going to win 2-1. Wow. Yep. Not a surprise pick, though. I would have given it to you. Wee, wee, oh! wee, wee. Oh, I got you there. You're like, oh, oh not did. a surprise pick. Yeah. It is a surprise pick. Brent, in all honesty, my surprise pick was Everton over Manchester United, but you picked it so coolly. I was like... Maybe that's not a surprise pick, so I oh. I panicked, and I was like, I'm well, going to pick sorry, something else. I didn't else. mean to throw you off. No, you're fine. Um, you're just way too bold in your ways, especially when you've had three or four drinks. Well, to be fair, Everton is in eighth place with two games in hand, so it's not like they're like so crazy out of the top. Sure. Nineteen. Well, And on Manchester United, three games in hand. So they're 11 points out, but if they win two of those games, make okay. that five, you know? Still would have been upset. Okay. But, um, yeah, Wolves over Leicester is my surprise pick. Oh, well, it's your new and improved surprise New pick. and improved. Um, but, yeah, moving on to the game of the match week. At 11.30 a.m., we have Liverpool versus Manchester City. I think this one was more straightforward if you would have asked me a week ago. Okay. When Liverpool weren't refinding their form. Mm-hmm. They have. And, Jake... I'm going to go for a Liverpool victory in this game. Ooh, yeah. that would make things exciting at the top. I think it would, and Aguero will be recently coming back from injury. Sure. Gabriel Jesus did score a great goal against Liverpool last time. Kevin De Bruyne missed, but no Kevin De Bruyne. A resurging 
you know, reemerging rather, mm-hmm. Sergio Aguero, even against Liverpool's new makeshift defense, I don't know that it's enough. Okay, um, I would love that to happen. Oh, me too. For everyone. Maybe it's a hopeful pick. For everyone in the top yeah. six and surrounding. I unfortunately think Manchester City are going to win, and that's my pick. I think that's a safe pick. Yeah. Um, but moving on to the last game on that Sunday, Sheffield United versus Chelsea. Jake, I'm going to go for a Chelsea victory in this game. Again, if you would have asked me maybe a week and a half ago before Lampard got fired, I might have mm-hmm. picked a draw given Ooh. Sheffield's form. However, I think Chelsea might have turned a corner. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to agree with you. I think Chelsea going to win this game, and uh, I think they look like a some not not new and reinvigorated or whatever, but definitely a fresher. Recharge, sure, yes. Sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's all for Sunday. So Brent, that gives us only one more game during this all match right. week. All right, woo! We're flying through. Oh my yeah, goodness! Um, that's on Monday, and that is at three p.m. Eastern, and that is Leeds Crystal Palace. Jake, I'm gonna go for a draw in this game. Okay, Crystal Palace in good form. Leeds also in good form. Um. I would say a safe bet on this one would be both teams to score if you were a betting man. But I think Leeds come away with the victory. All right. And, Jake, I I didn't say this last time that we were going over this fixture. So, technically, the last time these two teams played in the Premier League was Saturday, November 7th, 2020. Uh But before that, you know how I like my fun facts, but I forgot about this one. The last time before that, January 31st, 1998. Wow. Yeah. That's been a, crazy. It's been a while since these two teams played back-to-back games. Well, just, you know, in the same played season. Played game, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's nuts. Um, I love your fun facts. Thank you. They're, they're so fun. Um, but I love even more is when you go over our fantasy transfers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, we have a few of them this week. Mm-hmm. We have, in some big moves, with some injuries, key injuries. Wilfred Zaha picked up another muscular injury today. Sad. Man's been out a lot of this season. So we brought in Marcus Rashford for Wilfred Zaha. And then, unfortunately, we had to drop Harry Kane, who was out for Uh, an indefinite period. We brought in Ollie Watkins, Mm. my favorite player of the year. Yep. My player to watch all season. Exactly. He is in the team. And maybe, I guess, we're sacrificing a little bit up front with now Bamford, Antonio, and Watkins. Sure. To have... Our midfield of Bruno Fernandez, Son, Marcus Rashford, Suchek, and Jack Grealish. Which that is a pretty dominant midfield with oh, lots of options. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a small price to pay. Oh, I think so. Not like a Thanos-sized price to pay right. where it costs everything. Right. Um, this is more just like it costs Harry Kane's ankles, you know. Right. And Jake, we'll have to talk about the captain this week, but the team is Fabianski against Fulham. Jao Cancelo, Gabriel, and Chilwell in defense. Bruno Fernandez, Hyungman Son, Grealish, Rashford, and Suchek. Ollie Watkins, and Captain Mikel Antonio against Fulham. I don't mind that at all. I, I will say there's a small chance he doesn't start. Oh, yeah. Um, no, it's would, a big risk. Which would be a bummer. But if he doesn't, then it goes to whoever no, he is next, which could be Jack Grealish. As that's only if he plays zero minutes, though. Right. So if he comes off the bench. Yeah, we'll see. But I think that's a great matchup, him against Fulham's I defense. think so as well. Yeah. No, that's fun. And and as a fun side note, outside the goalie, all of our bench players are injured. 
subject to not play. Oh. Yeah. Well, or out. So Bednarek, red card, out. Kyle Walker-Peters sure. hurt. And Patrick Bamford injured. Well, he, Patrick Bamford? Yeah, injured? it says he has an injury. We'll be out. Huh. Yeah. First time hearing of it. Yeah, me too. He had a great game. But yeah, Brent, that uh, moves us to our one of our last segments. What's well, my favorite segment? Your favorite. It's segment. Jake's bets. And uh, I'm back once again uh, with a brand new track. Two leg parlay. <laughs> um, the first one being Aston Villa Arsenal game to be over two and a half goals. You can uh, punch that ticket. It's gonna hit. Uh, parlay that with uh, a West Ham victory. Are you cracking your can? No. Do it. Do it. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. It's like ASMR for no, the listener. Sorry. Here, I'll do it again. Uh, <laughs> you get about 220, plus 220 odds, and so you can uh, double that fiver. Um, or tenor. Or tenor. If that's what you're into. If that's or, what you're into. Or. What did we come up with a name for 20 or last time? Uh, it was something really, really cool. Not dumb at all. What's a ten? Is it a Hamilton? Oh, that's what it was. It was a Lincoln, no, that's not Lincoln. Adams or something. I, we came. It was two presidents' names. We well, I know Franklin's are hundreds, so it's not important. Anyways, <laughs> um, but yeah, put as much as you feel comfortable putting. Don't gamble uh, beyond your means, and if or you do. Have, if you have a problem, call the gambling hotline. I do not know the number off the top of my head because I, I definitely don't have a problem. I want to be alive. Right, that one. <laughs> um, but Brent, that only leaves giggles left on, on the outline. And I'm sorry, I kind of started that a little bit too quickly when you said, I'm back, and I said, with a brand new track. You sure. You got a little smile. Do you have a new song coming out? I don't. Really? <laughs> no. So if we were to put a new outro on this episode I know. with a great keyboard solo, right? you're telling me that's not your personal song. No, it is not. Um, but Brent, I do want to invite the listener to listen to our outro as it's going to be the announcement of Punxsutawney Phil's Seeing His Shadow and Six More Weeks of Winter coming up. No way! <laughs> as today's Groundhog Day and I think it's something we should celebrate. Oh, that's a blast. Yeah. No, happy Groundhog Day. Um, wow, that is so much fun. And that's a group of very weird middle-aged men in like top hats and suits that grab this little groundhog and put him on this pedestal and uh, talk to him all softly and such. So uh, I'm looking forward to listening to it, and uh, the listener should look forward to listening to it as well. I just well. want to give a quick interjection. Yeah. Which is that I've never understood Groundhog's Day because it's like if the groundhog sees his shadow, but if you're not doing this right as the sun's overhead, you're always going to have a shadow. Sure. So it's just whether or not the groundhog turns around and I, looks I, at his I shadow. I have no idea. I believe this is like 7.30 a.m., so it's like... So, yeah, undoubtedly, there's going to be a shadow right. from the sunrise. So it's like, what's the know. point of this? Well, Look, I'm just wondering when the point is going to be that instead of a groundhog, they lift me, like Simba style, <laughs> and I just get to look around and see if I see my shadow or not. And if I don't... But you don't have a cool name like Punxsutawney Phil, so... Well, I could change my name. That's very easily done. Like, uh... Sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> Punxsutawney Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you come up with that yourself? <laughs> yeah, just on the spot. Yeah, how'd you know? Well, Brent, our whiskey's gone. Our seltzies are gone. Oh, yeah. Um, so I Groundhog guess... Day's almost over. <laughs> Sad. Six more 
weeks of winter. Spoiler alert. Which is tough. But you know what's not tough, Jake? Our jammies. Our jammies. Very soft. Very soft. And speaking of jammies. We're definitely wearing them. The only Premier League podcast with a dress code. That dress code being pajamas. That's us. That's us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Oh. <laughs> In Groundhog He's, Bill directed the precedent and the inner circle to his prediction scroll that reads, It's a beautiful morning, this I can see, with all my fans viewing virtually. My faithful followers being safe and secure, our tradition of Groundhog Day must endure. We have all passed through the darkness of night, but now see hope in morning's bright light. But now, when I turn to see, there's a perfect shadow cast of me. Six more weeks of winter there will be.